Hello, and welcome to Listed, a Forbes podcast about people, money, and power. I'm your co-host, Maggie McGrath. And I'm your other co-host, Abe Brown. And today, we're talking about a man who knows a lot about lists. And he's checking them twice. It's Santa Claus. Ah, it's the most wonderful time of the year, Maggie. Indeed it is. It is, it is. Uh, and then, I, well, just a, I guess a disclaimer. If you have a small child still stirring in your house right now, uh, put him or her to bed because we're going to be talking about Santa Claus. Spoilers abound. But before we get started, I have a question for you, Maggie. When did you stop believing in Santa Claus? I figured it out. This is like one of my... You are an intrepid reporter. I have always been an intrepid reporter. I was six years old, five or six, and it was actually the tooth fairy that... The tooth fairy? I was in school, like kindergarten, first grade, learning about money. So they had plastic money that they gave us to, so we could learn our <laughs> coins and learn our, learn our dollars. And I was really obsessed with learning them and like adding up different combinations. Oh, my God. So, it all makes sense now. I know. It's a little scary. It is. And so I lost a tooth and I told my mom, I want three dimes, two nickels, one quarter, one dollar bill. Oh, it my was God. A, you've been ordering people around for literally decades. I am the same person. It, it I, is I, so I believe charming that people don't change because nope. I have not changed. That's so true. So the tooth fairy comes, gives me exactly what I wanted, the exact number of quarters, the exact number of dimes. <laughs> I'm on the phone with my godparents, <laughs> my mom's sister and her husband, Aunt Livy and Uncle Jim. And I'm like, the tooth fairy brought me everything I wanted. And the only person who knew was mom. Oh, <laughs> and then great. I'm that's like, terrific. I figured it out. I figured it out. I was <sighs> so excited. I've seen that elation on your face while you're working on a story. And it's good to know that you've never really changed. <laughs> what about you? Did you figure it out? Um, so I I thought about this. And, you know, when my when my mom, who has finally figured out what a podcast is and is now an eager listener. Hi, mom. When she listens to this, she may have a better answer for me. But I don't actually ever remember believing ever. I don't think my parents ever like encourage that bit of fantasy. Okay. I'm pretty, so I don't ever really remember believing that a fat man in a red suit was coming down a chimney to bring me presents. Oh yeah. I totally believed it, but was skeptical. And my mom will tell me to this day that I said, why don't we put a camera in the ceiling fan so we can see when he comes and what he looks like. You know what? This is what made you such a terrific fact checker. You don't believe anything and you're just so suspicious. Um, Inherently skeptical always, <laughs> including of the man who gives me presents. Let's talk about Jolly Old St. Nick and what we're here today to do. We're going to talk about how to value his fortune. And for a while, we have had a list called the Fictional 15. It's a list of the richest fictional characters. And for a while, Santa was at number one on that list. His fortune was infinite. Infinite. This is definitely a list done in good humor. It is, there is some real thought that goes behind it, as we'll find out in a minute. Helping us to discuss Santa Claus's fortune is one of our most rigorous editors here at Forbes. He's the executive editor of the magazine. He's got visions of sugar plums in his head all year round. He's chased Santa all over the world. He's my boss. It's Michael Knorr. Michael, thank you so much for joining us in the studio. Hi. 
Before we get into Santa's fortune and net worth, I want to ask you about your experience studying Santa Claus because you have a really interesting background in this area. I mean, it's it's slightly unusual. I think at one point I probably knew more about Santa Claus than anybody else on the planet. I'm not sure if I still have that title, but at one point it was probably true. When I graduated from college, I was interested in becoming a Dickens uh, scholar at the time before taking a very lucrative turn into the world of journalism. <laughs> and uh, I... Uh, I wanted to study the history of Santa Claus because nobody had really done that. So I traveled all over the place. I started in Holland. I went to the UK. I went to Finland. Finland had this absurd idea that uh, Santa Claus was from Finland, which was used to promote Finn Air. Um, I went to Turkey, where the original St. Nicholas is actually from. Um, I went all through the Middle East. And what I discovered in the end is Santa Claus is actually from New York City. How do you know? So there are a lot of analogs in European folklore. There are a lot of sort of midwinter kings that come around, and many of them are gift-giving types of things. Um, some of them are related to St. Nicholas um, and have names like Sinster Claus and so forth. But Santa Claus, the words start in New York, and the most famous um, person who did it was Clement Seymour, who wrote A Visit from St. Nicholas. Um and he was he owned most of what is now the neighborhood of Chelsea in New York City. He did not take ownership of this poem. There's controversy about whether he actually wrote it. But then uh, Washington Irving also included him in his Knickerbocker tales of the old Dutch. So basically what you had was Dutch come to New York, and in New York, Dutch folklore is transformed into a uniquely American version of their traditional wintertime gift-giving person, which becomes Santa Claus, and then it becomes vastly commercialized and then exported back to uh, places in Europe where many places now have both the American Santa Claus and their own local uh, versions. Hmm. So it took me 17 months abroad to figure that out. <laughs> That's fascinating. And did you look at his wealth while you were abroad, or was that a, a distinctly Forbes creation? Well, so I want to talk before we talk about Santa Claus's money. I certainly at the time was uh, far too earnest to think about things like that. We have a long and distinguished history here at Forbes magazine of valuing the imaginary. We ran a list that I was in charge of from 2002 to 2013. So for 11 years, I don't think we did it every year because we're not quite that uh, consistent uh, called the fictional 15, the fictional 15 was a list of the richest fictional characters. And this was taken extremely seriously here. We had a crack team of reporters, real reporters, writing and valuing the imaginary. Um, and, you know, they're, they're not, the, the, there were rules for being on the fictional 15. Um, quite a lot of rules, in fact. We would debate these rules a lot. Uh, I'll give you the, the top line is that any candidate for the fictional 15 had to be in what we called an authored fictional narrative, meaning that you had to be a specific work of fiction, right? So it could be Montgomery Burns from The uh, Simpsons, probably one of the more famous ones, or it could be Gordon Gecko from Wall Street, both of who were stalwarts on this uh, list. Um, we excluded mythological and folkloric creations, which would exclude Santa Claus. I will get to the fact that we put him on a couple times in a minute. Um, and they had to be known in their specific universe as being 
rich. That had to be part of their, their character, right? It was a, a character trait that they were rich and they weren't just rich. They were Forbes 400 level rich. And so we would get these, and th- this, this list that we did was unbelievably popular and shockingly popular. Um, and, you know, people take fictional stuff more seriously than they take the real billionaires because they feel much closer to them in many ways. Um, but you get, you get like notes saying, why isn't Barbie on there? Because she has a dream house. And I'm like, dream house. I mean, the dream house, maybe 15 million in Malibu. That's, not, <laughs> that's, that's, that's nothing. That's not going to get you on this list. And uh, and she's not known for being rich. Or you would have, there was one staffer here who will remain nameless, Zach O'Malley Greenberg. And uh, he insisted of us putting Donkey Kong on this list because Donkey Kong, I guess, collects coins or something yeah, like exactly. that. But Donkey Kong is not known as being a billionaire or rich and i found and the, the thing is that if you did this list and you just made it stupid zach o'malley greenberg you would in fact lose all the credibility because people you, they had to understand that we took this seriously you know people because they read and they watch these shows they they feel much they these people feel more real to them than somebody like elon musk does frankly um so and 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 when you get into the kind of numbers we talk around here those numbers seem slightly unreal anyway many of them we were were able to look at like montgomery burns we'll look at analogs and this is going to be important for how we do santa claus um we look at analogs of real life people so we know that montgomery burns most of his money comes from owning nuclear power plants and there is, in fact, a real billionaire, I forget who it is, but that has a very similar fortune. So we are able to draw analogs for portions of his wealth and, and adjust them. And we also know like somebody like Jed Clampett from the Beverly Hillbillies, it's oil, right? So we have a number of oil fortunes that we can compare. You can sort of say, oh, well, he's not, Jed Clampett doesn't own a major, it's not Exxon, but you know, maybe it's more like you know Apache or something like that. And and you, you can you can get uh, get very close. So we did put um, Santa Claus on the list a couple years, um, and we gave him a net worth of infinity, which is deeply wrong, by the way. And I'm going to we're going to explain why we made such an error. And you know, we we ended up putting him on the list, and then we were inundated with letters insisting that Santa Claus was real and that we had to take him off and uh, you didn't belong in the fictional 15. And we, we, this apparently is a large controversy about whether or not Santa Claus is real. You're kidding me. In the younger set of our readers. And we have uh, younger readers. Uh, apparently. And then they all want to make the 30 under 30. Oh, that's true. This is, this is more like the four under four. <laughs> um, but the, you know, we looked and there was a wealth of physical evidence that we discovered. There was cookie crumbs. There were, toys that were delivered. There are other things that suggested that maybe he really is real. And we just erred on the safe side and took him off. But if he's technically a mythological figure, how did he get past your very strict methodology in the first place? One of the great things about making the rules is you can break them. (laughs) And make them up as you go. All right, Michael, Santa Claus expert. How do you value jolly old St. Nick? Well, I mean, I think I'm, in, in this case, I'm, I'm going to really rely on myself in more as a fictional 15 uh, expert rather than a Santa Claus expert because I'm going to apply the methodology. And you're right. We wouldn't normally do him because he's mythological. And the, the reason we sort of excluded mythological and folkloric creations is because you get a lot of them like, okay, first of all, Zeus, what's he worth? Everything? He's God. I mean, it's tough, right? And then where do you do it? I mean, it, it, it just, you, you, you end up in weird, the tooth fairy, she seems rich, right? I mean, you know, I mean, let's, let's like, you know, 
we just decided it was a bit of a black hole. But for the purposes of this thing, we're going to assume two things. We're going to assume that Santa Claus is not real. How dare you? So anybody who thinks otherwise, we already given this tune the, tune the channel on the internet to something else, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll go from there. Um, and we're also going to assume that he was in a story other than Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, which well, was he really, was in the poem. It wasn't really a poem, you know. That was promotional material that was created for Montgomery Ward's. Um, and was a song early. Isn't everything just for commercial purposes? Well, you know, there's a famous quote from Dickens, I believe, um, talking about a, a Christmas carol. And uh, in it, uh, Dickens was decrying the commercialism of a commercial age. And this was 1840s. Because <laughs> uh, Christmas has always been a commercial yes. holiday. Uh, and that is why Santa Claus is such a huge deal. But so... There are a couple clues when you look at Santa Claus about, you know, who should we, what's the analog? We don't have a narrative here. We don't have a any source material and say, this is the Santa Claus story. We, we can't sort of estimate the size of his workshop and all that. We just don't have that. But we do have some really interesting clues here. Um, Santa Claus is extremely busy around the holiday season. Um, and he employs a vast pool of semi-skilled, low-paid workers called elves that, and I, I can think of one billionaire in particular that is also very, very busy around Christmas, um, who also employs a very large pool of seasonal, low-paid workers, um, who also is really renowned for the speed and accuracy of his deliveries. And even more so, like Santa Claus, this billionaire, through his smart speakers, he knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. <laughs> he knows uh, if you've been And so I good. can't even, I think that Jeff Bezos might in fact be Santa Claus. It's so close. He certainly uh, can be Santa for us. It's so, so this is one of those cases where there's a really direct parallel. Uh, and so I checked this morning and according to uh, handydandyforbes.com, we are, Jeff Bezos was worth $108 billion dollars. Point four. I'm sure that point four means a lot to Jeff. And uh, we, uh, th but I think Santa Claus is worth a little bit more than Jeff Bezos. And I'll tell you why. Because Santa Claus, we know, is still married. Jeff is not. Jeff had to give Mackenzie a fair chunk of change. So I think we have to add in Mackenzie Bezos's net worth to Jeff Bezos's to get Santa Claus's net worth. Because I'm assuming Mr. and Mrs. Claus share the fortune. I think that's reasonable. And I assume that the elves get nothing. <laughs> so if you add those two numbers together, I think we can come up with a conservative number of $142.6 billion for Santa Claus. And I think that's close. Uh, I think Infinity, which we did uh, years ago, was us being what we might be called fictionally lazy. <laughs> um, but I, I think that's a very, it's a very strong parallel. Um, and I think that that's the number we're looking for. See, I assumed it was his... North Pole holdings were so Well, it's hard. interesting that he is in the North Pole, right? So it, it, because, and I, I bet Bezos would incorporate there if he could, no regulations. The, 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 the North Pole is sea. It's the law of the sea. You can do anything you want to those elves. It's literally nowhere. <laughs> I had never thought of that. Well, you know, I'm not sure the elves are really all that well treated. 
But I think that's a story for another day. Children. I don't think uh, Santa or his workshop would make the Just 100, our list of America's best corporate citizens. They're not American. They're not American. That's true. It wouldn't make any list. It wouldn't of, make uh, any list. It wouldn't make a list of the world's best citizens. corporate citizens. I mean, I don't know. The, the the sleigh is probably environmentally sound. We don't know exactly how it's propelled. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's super not... green. It's pulled by animals. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Cruel, although not cruelty although, free. Although, really. yeah, <laughs> we don't really know how he treats his reindeer. So. Um, well, Peta, we know, we, we, know Peta, he, we don't want any letters. We are not Santa. No letters, please. Well, he know we know he drives them through storms. Yes, because he needs he needs like... Rudolph to go exactly. Right? So, all yeah. right, Peter, send the letters to Santa, not to us. All right, Michael, we're gonna do a segment called Sidebar. Where would you go to have a drink with Santa, and would you even want to in the first place? Absolutely no drinks with Santa Claus. You know, you, you got to be on your best behavior with that dude. Maggie, what do you say? I feel like I would want to get a drink with Santa Claus. I'm lactose intolerant, so I might have to have some soy milk but and not dairy milk. Do you have any fun in life? I think vegan uh, ice cream is great. You got, I thought this meant alcoholic drink. I, if I was going to do cocoa, sure. <laughs> uh, you can interpret it any way you want. You're an editor. You just told us how much you like to change the rules. Well, and not I mean, play I, by I, the rules. okay. So if, change the rules. If, if Maggie's going to have lactose intolerant milk, <laughs> sure, I would have hot cocoa with Santa. You two are just. I'm going naughty list. I'm going to do schnapps. Schnapps with Santa. It seems fitting. But what do you think drinks with him would be like? Do you think he'd dish on the, I the know, boys I and girls of the world? I want to know what he's got to say about the Easter Bunny. I want to know what he's got to say about the Tooth Fairy. These are close rivals. He, but the problem is Santa's a bit of a bore. All he does is ho, ho, ho. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, another drink, Santa. Ho, ho, ho. Wait, you don't That's speak, it. You don't, he doesn't say anything else ever. You don't speak clausies. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, on that note, Michael, ho, 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 which really just means thank you for coming today and being on our show with us. Truly a pleasure. Thank you. You know, after having that conversation, I feel like Santa could have been a little more generous with his Christmas cards over the years. That was your mom. Your mom gave you that money. Yes, I know. I figured that out when I was six. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm certainly feeling more cheery after this conversation. And we want to wish you a happy holiday, no matter whichever one you're celebrating this season. We're going to be back before you know it. In the new year, with new episodes, with new guests, with new questions. I'm excited for 2020. Thank you so much for listening to this special episode of Listed. I'm your co-host, Maggie McGrath, editor of Forbes Women. And I'm your other co-host, Abe Brown. I'm a senior editor of Forbes. Please review us wherever you get your podcasts. We want to be higher on Santa's nice list. And thank you so much to the holliest, jolliest editor here at Forbes, our very own Michael Knorr. Listed is a spoke media production. Kieran Meadows records with us in studio, and our producer is Reva Goldberg. Our theme song is composed and performed by Will Short. Our production team is Caroline Hamilton, Tyler Norris, Janelle Kastner, and Keith Reynolds at Spoke Media. And thank you to our very own Santa's workshop at Forbes, Travis Collins, Kyle Kramer, Randall Lane, and Dario Fruton. See you next year. Ho, ho, ho. You're a mean one, Mr. Nor. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're Did as you charming as an eel. Mr. Grinch. <laughs> You're a bad banana with the greasy I wouldn't black touch you with a 35 and a half foot ball. <laughs> <laughs>